Good evening, everyone. My friends, uh, I prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to give a homily, you're going to have to give my voice back to me. Um, otherwise, take it away and <laughs> I won't write a homily. My friends, um, certainly the, my homily is based on my scriptures. Growing up in, in Detroit, um, we listened to R&B music a lot, uh, my family and I. And uh, the second reading, along with the first reading, uh, reminded me of a song uh, that uh, a writer, Burt Bacharach, wrote. And it was first made very popular by Dionne Warwick, and it was called A House Is Not A Home. Uh, and then later, uh, an R&B singer who I just absolutely was amazed by his voice, Luther Vandross, uh, would take it to a whole different level, and particularly on one occasion at the NAACP Awards in the 80s. I went and looked at the YouTube of it, and it was quite amazing. Uh, but um, if you're familiar with the song, you'll know it, sometimes it doesn't always make sense, but um, listening to the second reading, and uh, we're all about one body, but in part, and this and that, and, and the song kind of does the same thing. And uh, one of the things the song puts forth is that there's a difference between a house and a home. And um, a house is just a house, but a home, they say, is where the heart is. And the song gets at that. Home is where we can be ourselves and um, without any pretense. We are all familiar with the experience of coming home. Often we probably take it for granted, uh, but there have been uh, special homecomings in most of our lives. When we have been away from home for some time, maybe far away, we come back once again to familiar faces and places. It's a special feeling that we do not encounter anywhere else. The first reading today is about a homecoming. In the sixth century before Jesus Christ, Jerusalem had been destroyed, and many people were taken into captivity and exiled in Babylon. It was a terrible time for the Jewish people. They did not know if they would ever see their country again, and most of them did not. During those 50 years of exile, they settled down in Babylon, and as it is, uh, they began to pick up the customs and ways of the, their captors. They even forgot their own Hebrew language, but they never forgot Jerusalem. By the time the time came when Cyrus, king of the Persians, captured Babylon, and that king was a bit kinder to the Israelites, and he issued a decree allowing the Jews to return home if they chose to. And many of them did, only to find Jerusalem still in ruins. And this is where the reading picks up, uh, our first reading. And so uh, we come to the scene described in today's first reading. It is a description of a homecoming, and the prophet is telling them to celebrate even though their city is in ruins. The people uh, had many things to do amid the ruins of Jerusalem, but uh, they could not feel at home until they had first come together to hear the word of God proclaimed in their own homeland again. They listened for hours. Uh, if you didn't pick up on the reading, 
the prophet was reading scripture all day long, morning, afternoon, evening to them. They listened for hours, and as we were told, many cried. Ezra and Nehemiah told them not to cry and not to be sad because of the state of their beloved Jerusalem, but to walk amongst Jerusalem and celebrate with joy. It was a homecoming not just to the promised land for them. It was a homecoming back to their God. In returning to Jerusalem, they rediscovered in a very dramatic way what it meant to be called God's people. Today, our Lord is calling all of us from the Babylon of our own making often back to the promised land. Most of us have been in Babylon, that is, the sin of varying kinds and degrees. In that type of Babylon, money, sex, power, drugs, and many, many other things have been made into demigods. Babylon is a place of enslavement and oppression. And the Lord is calling his baptized us to leave that Babylon and to set out on a journey to the promised land. The journey may be long, and it is going to be difficult, but it is a journey that we must make. And one of the reasons why it is difficult often is because it is also a journey of discovery of our true selves. It will mean taking an honest and deep and difficult look at ourselves and to reflect on ourselves. We will have to confront the false narratives that the world and many of its cultures have put forth that have led so many astray and caused so many such heartache and confusion. The narratives that keep on telling us that human worth and human value are to be found almost exclusively in such things as money and power and physical beauty and physical strength and worldly success. These messages are false. It is in the gospel that we find our true value our true worth, our dignity, and it has to do with God's son's sacrifice on the cross. That is where we will discover what each of us is truly worth. It is in the gospel also that we find our true dignity as human persons, all of us, every human person. When the return exiles gathered together at the water gate in Jerusalem to hear God's words, they remembered how God had called them in the past. The reading celebrated what God was actually doing in their present time. And in doing that, they found the courage to face the challenges and the work that was for the future. That is what you and I are doing now in listening to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we discover in deeper ways who we really are, why we are here on this earth, why we do matter. And we continue to respond to the Lord's invitation 
to leave Babylon behind and make our journey as a people of faith towards the promised land. This is how Jesus desired it to be between him and his disciples. This is the way he wants it between him and us, God's people today. Without a sense of belonging together, of caring for one another and being responsible for one another, one is not really a Christian. One is not really a Christian. While we journey, the fruit which Jesus desires from us includes that of unity amongst ourselves. By this all will know you are my disciples, the Lord said. By the bond that exists between us, just as it was between his Father and his. John seventeen eleven. And to go on further then, by the care we show to each other, John 13, 35, Jesus said, This is how they will know you belong to me and that you are my father's children. My friends, one of the things about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is their desire to be in relationship with us. Their desire, God needs nothing. He created everything. He needs nothing. And yet he desires, which is just mind-boggling to me, and one of the things he desires is to be with you. That's mind-boggling about God. And it goes even further. Jesus desired, and when we see Jesus, we see the Father. He desired our participation. He chose men, women, to carry on his mission. I don't know if you guys ever stop and just stop and think about this in a practical way. <laughs> It's mind-boggling. And he continues his day. He desires your participation in the spreading of the good news of the gospel. And my friends, one of the ways I can best illustrate this to you comes from the Eucharist itself. I can put bread and wine on that altar and walk away. And it, can stay, and it can stay there for a month. But it will remain the bread and wine until the priest or the bishop does his part, his participation, meaning the church. I'm not, I can give you the bread. You can take it home and it's not going to become the Eucharist. Even if you attempt, it will not. Even sitting it on that sacred altar, it will not until the priest or bishop stands behind it and does what he's called to do and participates in the way that our Lord has asked. Then, and only then, does the Holy Spirit come and fill the whole place. And in that, because the bishop and priest can do nothing on his own. Mark can do nothing. But God does. And this idea, I desire you to go there and to say the words. And at the saying of the words, at your participation, at your helping, 
I will transform the bread and wine into the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of my son for life for the world. It's just mind-boggling <laughs> that he desires this. God can do whatever he wants. He did everything. He, I mean, he created universes and stuff. He can do, and this is what he desires. And in John's gospel, Jesus desired one thing before he left, to which the world has still not given him. Father, that they would be one as you and I are one. His dream. Friends, uh, I hope um, you find St. Nicholas Parish not just a house, but a home for all of you when you're here. One of our writings on there, uh, we say, Gig Harbor, your, your home in the harbor and your family and the faith, meaning here. And in truth, this is very sacred space, but wherever God and his people are, that is where home is for us. That is where the promised land is. But I hope when you're here, you're at home.